giving thanks for these offerings. And as we take this time to pray, I just uh, sense in my spirit to ask you, why don't you in a little moment, uh, I'm an intercessor and I like to grasp every opportunity to pray. And I'm a bit perturbed about our nation and I don't know about you, but I want you as you join hands together across the aisles, why don't we just take two minutes, let's pray for the peace of this nation. We are not going back. We, we want to go forward. We want to pray for peace and reconciliation. Why don't you take two minutes? Just pray right now. Just say something to the Lord about our nation, about our politicians, about the things that we are hearing, the things that we are seeing. Father Lord, we come to you today. And we thank you for Calvary because Calvary brings us hope. But yet, Lord, also, we know that Calvary burdens are lifted up, O oh Lord. And we want to bring the burden of this nation before your throne of grace. How we desire, O oh God, that you would come down and that you would help us as a nation, O oh Lord. Father, we pray for our politicians. We pray even for every utterance. We pray, O oh God, that you may help them even to build towards reconciliation, towards oneness, towards unity in our nation. We are to come against the spirit of hopelessness, the spirit of fear that has come upon our land. We are asking, O oh God in heaven, that you may come down in your conviction. Lord, when we see, O oh God, people turning away, from your ways, O oh Lord, and walking towards their own things, O oh Father. We know that the Lord is not in it. But Father, we ask that in the name of Jesus, that you may come and help us, O oh Lord, to look to you, O oh God, to seek your counsel. Lord, we pray even for the church as they take their position in their apostolic proclamation, in their prophetic utterances, O oh Lord, that you may help our people to look up to you, to trust in you. We want to thank you for this beloved nation. We thank you, Lord, for the peace and the stability that we have enjoyed over the many years. But yet also we know there are times that we have struggled with one another. We have fought one another. We have killed and destroyed property. Yet God, oh Father, as we look to you this Good Friday, we pray that no more blood shed over this nation. In the name of Jesus, we resist and we come against the spirit of tribalism, the spirit of strife, the spirit of hopelessness and confusion. We rise up against any work of the enemy that may want to destabilize our peace and our stability, O oh God. And so we pray for the principles. We pray for our president, the Honorable Mike Kibaki. We know he's a disturbed man at this time. In the events that have happened in the recent past, may he seek your counsel at such a time as this, O oh God. We pray for our right honorable Raila Odinga, O oh God, our prime minister. In his vexation and his disturbed spirit, Lord, may you speak to him your peace, O oh God. And help in every utterance, O oh God, that it may be one that will reconcile, one that will draw them together. And one that will help us to forge together as a nation. We pray for our children. We thank you for the children. And even for their ministry here at NPC Valley Road. And we thank you Lord because your word has said that we should nurture them. In the way they should go and they will not depart from it when they grow old. 
Father, we thank you for our youth as they carry us through this month in the youth initiative. We thank you for the gifts that you have deposited in them. We thank you for what you're doing in their lives, oh God. Bless them and use them immensely. We want to thank you, Lord, for the U-turn for Christ. For the many lives that are being transformed through this avenue. Lord, we ask that you may touch every man that walks into those doors intoxicated and overtaken by drugs and alcohol. The Lord, you will deliver them with the blood that you shed at Calvary. We want to thank you, Lord, for the ministry of your people here. And we ask that even as the team travels all the way to Kisumu for the inauguration tomorrow, that, Lord, you'll grant them safety on the road, safety in the air, oh God. And we want to thank you, Lord, for the official opening tomorrow, that your presence will be so real. We pray for Pastor Bandu and the team as they put together everything, oh God, that you'll just help them even as they look to you, oh God. We want to thank you, Lord, for this Good Friday. Indeed, it's a Good Friday because of what you did for us at the Calvary. We know that at Calvary, burdens are lifted up. Hallelujah. And so if there are those that are sick in their body, those, oh God, that are disturbed in their spirits, where there is turmoil and confusion in the marriages and in the lives of individuals, Father, may you speak your peace, oh God. May you bring healing in the name of Jesus. We give you praise and we give you glory. Thank you, Lord, even for the gifts that your people have given in worship to you. We ask that you may bless both the gifts and the givers. And now as your servant comes to share with us the Easter message, the Lord, you would anoint him and that you would use him to bring us to the cross. We give you praise and we give you glory because we have asked all these things with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. And the people of the Lord said, Come on, why don't we give him a big shout and a praise offering. We thank you for Calvary. We bless you. You may be seated in his most glorious presence. And without much ado, again with us is our beloved bishop, uh, Boniface Adoy. Would you want to put your hands together even as he comes to share the word? Thank you, Pastor. And uh, the children, they did a good job. Let's clap for them as they go. Praise God. Now, it seems that over Easter season, uh, Nairobians immigrate to a country. And, and it's not one service. When we have three services, they are all full. When in Easter we have one service, it's never full. Amen. Now let me, as I did for the, this coming Sunday, clarify that Easter is not a Christian of Christian origin. The word Easter. Easter coincided with the Passover Sunday in which Jesus resurrected. Alright? The word Easter comes from us from the celebration of the Zen. Vernal equinox. Vernal equinox is the, is the equinox when the sun is directly on the equator. Alright? This coming Sunday. When the sun is directly on the equator on its way to the northern hemisphere, the Tropic of Cancer. 
And we have that happening every year twice. This time, which is spring equinox, and later on, which they call now uh, winter. All right? Those in the northern hemisphere call winter. And so twice, the sun is on the equator. And it divides the hours, 12 hours of the night and 12 hours of the day. Now, it is at that time, on the first day of the week, which was Sunday, that Jesus resurrected from the day, from, from, from the dead. That is for sure, that is a doc documented, that is why Easter is certain. I mean, not Easter, the resurrection of Jesus on first day of the month, of the, of the week, which was a Sunday, the Jewish Sunday. The first day of the week, Jewish Sunday. The, the, the Sabbath is Saturday. So Sunday, on such a day, Jesus rose from the dead. And since it was celebrated as Easter, it coincided with that very time. And it differs from year to year depending on when the sun will be on the equator. So don't let anybody tell you that we celebrate a pagan season. No. It just coincided with the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So just that commercial. But for today, let's read please. This is Good Friday. Let's read from John 13. I want to say that before Jesus went on the cross, he gave his final instru instructions. And the final words of a dying man are very significant. Now, what can we hold from his final instructions. John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that's very significant. When Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. That's just a... And supper being ended, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon, Simon's son to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and that he was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel, guarded himself. And after that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with a towel with which he was guarded. Then he came to Simon Peter. Now we can jump to verse 7. Verse 7 says, Jesus answered and said to him, What I'm doing you do not understand now. But you will know after this. Verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. 
If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you as an example that you should do as I have done to you. That, let that suffice. Now Jesus went to the cross completely aware of himself. Completely satisfied and secure in himself. He says, when he knew that his hour had come, he did something. He was sure of what he was going to do. He was aware of himself. He was secure in himself. So what he did, he did with knowledge. And let me start by saying that the world is looking for service providers. The world is asking, what does he have to offer? What do you have to offer, or she? What do you have to offer? And the main challenge to the Christian faith is not an influx of other religions, is not secularism, is not lack of resources. The main challenge of the Christian faith is you and I. Why? Somebody said, you are your own worst enemy. I'm my own worst enemy. So that before you can serve others, before you can take on the hard task that Jesus took to go onto the cross, I mean, if you knew you were going to be killed, talk to people who are on the hanging list. People who are going to the gallows. Who are going to die. Before you can do that. For the sake of others. Now this was not for his own sake. It was for your sake and for me. That he, he went to the cross. And he was well aware of it. And so before you can serve others. Before you can deal with others. You have to deal with yourself. You have to know yourself. And this is what we see here. That Jesus had to come to terms with himself. And so he, when he wanted to illustrate what he meant by serving others, what he left us as a command, he demonstrated by washing the disciples' feet. Now he left as that command not to employ it as a ritual or as a doctrine, but he left it, he left it to us as a principle of service to one another. And the principle has to do with the mental disposition. The principle has to do with something, with your mindset. It has to do with 
your attitude to service. Not what you do. It can, it can become a ritual that every after so, so often we wash our, each other's feet to demonstrate that we are serving each other. That's not it. That's not what Jesus implied. Before Jesus rose to serve, before Jesus rose to die for us, he reckoned with himself first and foremost. First, he reckoned with himself. Now, the first thing that we are told, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands. Before he went to the cross, before he could demonstrate service, it says, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hand. Jesus had to know what he had. What he had. Possession. What he possessed. That's the first thing that we see a secure person going to the cross knowing what he had. Remember when Jesus appeared on the stage of life, people began to ask him, what does he have to offer? He went to preach in his hometown and people were asking, where did he get these things from? People were asking, where is he from? Is not is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this the son of Joseph and Mary and uh, not his brothers and sisters here with us? And they, the Bible says, and they were offended by him. That's Mark 6. Before he came on the stage of life, that was the question. As he started his ministry, people were curious what does he have to offer? Where is he from? What is his origin? And they were offended. Why? Because they said they knew him. Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? The carpenter's son? And his brothers and sisters here with us? They said the same thing to Paul. Remember when Paul came on stage of life to offer something, they started asking, what does this babbler have to offer? You remember that? Acts 17. What is this babbler saying? What does he have to offer? The world is asking, what do you have to offer? And you must be in possession of something that the world is looking for. Possession gives power and authority. Whether it is possession of wealth, and you know people who possess wealth are very arrogant because they have been puffed up with the power that wealth gives. 
And the Bible is clear. It says, money answereth all things. And so when you have wealth, when you possess wealth, you, you are not intimidated. I'm talking about possession gives power, gives authority. Whether it is possession of wealth, whether it is possession of information, whether you gain that information from your learning, from your professorship, it gives you power, it gives you authority. Whether it is status, what do you have to offer? The world is asking, what does Jesus have to offer? The world is asking, what do you have to offer? The second thing I see possession does, possession gives security. A sense of security. Those who have money. You saw, you saw the lady just brought a check and when they were you know, arguing the debts and whatnot, wrote a check and everything is paid for. Possession. What is that? Power and security. Possession. If you found Bill Gates sweeping his compound and you said, you sweeper, may I see the boss? Bill Gates won't be offended, would he? In fact, he would just laugh at you. Now, if you found a real sweeper, the real sweeper, and that guy will be offended. Unanita, unanita mfanyakazi kwa nini? Mbona unanita mfanyakazi wewe? It's people who don't have that get offended. It's people who have no possession that easily get offended when you say they don't have. If you call Bill Gates a pauper, what would he do? If you called a poor man a pauper, I hope I'm passing the point. It's people who don't have, whether, whether, whatever it is, whether it is wealth, whether it is information, education, status, it's those people who easily get offended because they don't have it. They either don't have it or they don't know what they have. People who don't have it and people who don't know what they have easily get offended. And they are very irritable people. They are very difficult people to work with. Because if you have something that they don't have, you become a threat to them. Have you ever worked in an office where the boss is less qualified than you and makes it very hard for you to progress to his position. He is threatened. 
It's because you have what he doesn't have and what you have threatens him or her for that matter. And so insecure people fear those who have. They are very insecure. When you have, it gives you a sense of security. Possession gives courage and boldness. In other words, when you know you have something, you cannot be intimidated. You are not intimidated by those who have because you know you have it. You are not intimidated by your professor because you know you have the knowledge. You will not be intimidated by the students who might pretend to know more than you do. But if you don't, you will. You will be very intimidated. You can't serve without knowing what you have to offer. Poverty will not give you a voice. I mean, this is Solomon, the wisest man, telling us about this poor man who was, who was, who was very wise. He saved the city, but people did not listen to him. Why? Because he was poor. Imagine that. And what is it that you have in your hand? Now, the disciples came to Jesus in the New Testament telling him that we don't have food, send these people away. And Jesus said, what do you have? Nothing threatened Jesus. Not even the soldiers. Not even circumstances. Because he knew what he had. What he had. And no circumstance. No threat of soldiers, of the high priests, of anything would intimidate Jesus. Why? He knew what he had. Now, that is very radical because your man mindset, you must transform your mindset to understand why Jesus did such certain things with such confidence and security. That's the first thing. The second one says that knowing that he had come from God, knowing that he had come from God, knowing your origin, have to know your origin. Knowing your origin will make you serve or not serve like he did. Knowing his origin. Remember your history. Knowing your background. Your background is either a hindrance for service or an enhancement. So you have to know your background fully well. For you to be able to serve others. Before you serve others, you have to settle within yourself the issue of your background. Your background has a lot to do with the way you relate to others. The way you relate to each other. The way you relate to other people who are not necessarily of your tribe, of your race, of your background. 
your attitude or your mindset. Studies have shown that if you come from an abusive background, there are high chances that you will abuse others. If your father was abusive to your mother, young girls, you better watch out. The son is most likely to be abusive to his wife. My father wasn't, so my wife is very secure. <laughs> Get that testimony from her. Now, our background, our background, our background. We can easily carry the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the frustrations of our background into serving others. We can easily carry what we've inherited from the hearts that we have had not realizing that our background might be a hindrance for ministry, for service to others. A hindrance to serving each other. Now, let me tell, let me say, uh, when I thought of our country, Kenya, about possession. You know, if you don't know what you possess, you will trample even with what you have. We are selling our nation. Because there are people who don't appreciate what we have in Kenya. They don't know what we have. How can we lease the best of our land for the airport expansion to a foreign nation? Even if a child was born today, they will never enjoy what we have. This is brought about by people who don't know what they have what they possess. Now, I see that on and on and on and I'm crying. Where are we? Are we selling our heritage? Are we selling our possession? Are we selling what God has given us? And there are people who know what we possess. If you don't know what you possess, you will trample on even what God has given you. You, the, the Bible says you'll be like a swine. You don't give pearls to swine. You don't give gold to swine. God must be regretting. I give this to Kenyans and they are selling it. They are trampling on it. Knowing our origin. We must know where we have come from as a nation. We must know our background. You must know your history. Your origin. If you don't, you'll be very insecure. I know scientifically people are talking about evolution. There are those who believe we evolved and, 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 and scientific causes and because of that, it's survival for the fittest. You are no better than any other animal. You are no better than any other creature. And so I can treat you in any way, because this is survival for the fittest. And that's why I cannot serve 
because you are no better than any other animal. I won't serve. I won't die for you. Who are you? You are just an animal. If you don't know your background. Now, Jesus was very secure in his background. His background gives identity. Why do you need to know your background? Because background gives you identity. Now, I said earlier that background can either hinder or foster service to others. We have our backgrounds. And sometimes we carry the baggage and the, and the guilts and the frustrations of our background into serving others and we find we can't serve. Because of tribalism. We've been hammered home it has been hammered into us from children that this tribe does not marry into this tribe. And so when we are serving, we serve with favoritism. Tribalism. Your background, where you come from, dictates how you will serve others. How you, you will die for any other. And so, your culture. You will not serve others of a different culture because you are told they are inferior. Because you are told you are superior and they are inferior because of what, you've been, what has been hammered into you. Your culture, your background, where you have come from might be a great hindrance to the serving others. Because Jesus said, I've done this so that you may serve others. He left us that command. And if we don't do it, especially as a reminder during this Easter time or Good Friday, we shall not be Jesus followers because we are enslaved to our background. We are enslaved by our cultures, our mindset. What has been hammered into us determines whether we are going to serve others freely or not. Now, even if you don't have a background to go back to, even if you don't have a background to talk about, Jesus has given us a background and an identity. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26 to 31 says, You see your calling, brothers, that not many of you, according to the flesh, that is, according to your background, not many mighty, not many noble are called. You had no background. You are alien from the commonwealth of Israel. You had nothing to talk about. But now, what Jesus has bequeathed us, he has given us a background. He has given us a possession. The Bible says, That in, we are children of God. How do we become children of God? Through Jesus. So Jesus identified himself with God by origin. He grants us that identity with God by his death and resurrection. So he says that we are children of God. We have a background. We have an origin. 
We identify ourselves with God in Jesus. We identify ourselves with the family of God. We have a family. We have a background in God. Not in our ethnic affiliation where we find our identity. Our identity is in Christ. Right now, the African is an endangered species. Did you know that? Did you know the African is an endangered species? If you are a stranger in the continent of Africa, I'm reminding you, the African is an endangered species. Talk about AIDS. Talk about malaria. Those two things are clearing the African species. And I'm telling those who are in active service, please, do us a favor. Keep producing. <laughs> and God will take care of those children. God will take care of them. So our attitude in, in terms of serving is, is governed by our background. And if you don't settle within yourself, your origin, your identity, you will not serve your brother. And the reason is we carry that baggage of background. We carry everything that we, we were told and, and, and bring it into Maturity, we bring all those biases of our upbringing and we forget that God picked us and transformed us and made us new creatures in Jesus who had his origin in God and places us back so that we can have an origin that we can be proud of. And say, I'm God's child. I belong to God. I originate from God. But children, then we go to the, 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 the other thing that Jesus had to grapple with. Jesus had to grapple with where he was going to, his destiny. Knowing that he was coming from God, he had come from God, knowing that he was going to God. And that excites me. Knowing he was going to God. The, 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 uh, God reminded the Israelites in Deuteronomy 20, 32 verse 29 not to forget where he had picked them from and where they were going. Where they were going. He had picked them from the land of slavery. He was taking them to the land 
flowing with milk and honey. And, and that was constant reminder, knowing where we are going to. Without a sense of destiny, life is hopeless. There is no purpose in living, no purpose in dying for any person, no purpose in serving. Because we, we all end up in the, in the grave, we die the death of animals, and so why bother? Why bother? And like any other religion, Christianity is the only one that gives hope for life after death. Other religions will tell you that if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you might make it. So you leave this world trying your effort to do good deeds so that maybe when you get there, you'll have been, your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds. And you are told, welcome to heaven. So their heaven is based on what you do. Whether your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. But Jesus didn't have that kind of mentality. Our faith is not one of guesswork. Our hope, our destiny is not one that you might guess. Maybe I will make it, maybe, maybe not. It depends. Our faith is not dependent on anything that we do on you or me. It's dependent on what Jesus did. And his assurance In John, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, it says, These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. A leader without direction, somebody who serves without direction and cannot give you any direction, and you don't know where he's going to, or where he's leading you to, or where he's heading to. That's a, a, the blind leading the blind. But not with Jesus. Knowing your destiny will give you courage, will give you boldness in the face of persecution. That's why Jesus was now able knowing that the hour had come for his crucifixion, knowing that now a serious time was facing him, he had to be 100% sure of where he will be after death. And he said, knowing that he was going back to the Father, he could only undertake that responsibility for you and for me if he knew what would become of him after they have killed him. He was so secure. He was so bold in the face of, of death. And the story of, 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 of his suffering before he died, you know, that story, uh, as, you, as you see it in the, in, in the film form, you know, a person who faces such kind of humiliation 
must be sure of what he is doing. And Jesus did it. And he told us that you don't fear those who can kill the body, but not the soul. Such was the courage, such was the boldness with which he faced death on the cross. Why? Because he knew where he was going to. He operated with a sense of security even in the face of death. He knew where he was going. And I'm saying that we too will accomplish the mandate to be servant leaders, to serve others as Christians, as disciples of Jesus. If we operate with that sense of knowing where we are going to. Muslims do it much better than us. They are ready to die because they have been promised a thousand women. If they die as martyrs, they are ready to die. Here are Christians who know their destiny and a gangster only causes them to faint and die before their time. Instead of facing them because we know our destiny. We know where we are going to. We are not intimidated. We are not threatened. Why? Because we know our destiny. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Don't worry. That where I am also, you may be also. That's a person who knew where he was going to. And he invites us to follow him there. Because on the third day, on Sunday, on a Sunday, first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. Now, if you get anything from this sermon today, on this Easter Friday, on this Good Friday, it is this. You have to know what you possess in God, in Jesus. Jesus said, all power and authority, everything on earth and in heaven has been given to me. And because of that, he said, he gives us all that he possesses. Unfortunately, Christians don't know what they have. Believers, disciples, we don't know what we have in Christ. It's Paul who reminded the, the Ephesians in, in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to know all that power of inheritance and what you have in Jesus Christ. He was telling the disciples after that time, he, want, he prayed that the, the Christians, believers, would understand what they have in Jesus. We have believers who are intimidated, who are threatened, who, who do not stand, who do not have a backbone. Why? They don't know what they have. I pray that this Easter season you would know what Jesus had and what Jesus has given to you as a believer so that you may not be threatened. So that you may have as, be secure in him. 
the Bible says, we are complete in him. We are complete in him. And Jesus gives us all things. In him we have all things that we require, that the world needs. And we sit on it. And we don't know. Your identity. Jesus gives us identity in God. Gives you a sense of identity. Identity with God. Identity with the children of God. And fellowship with the family of God. He gives you relationships. You identify yourself not with your tribe. Not with your class. You know, there are people with their social class, not with whatever the world may offer, but you identify yourself with Jesus of the cross. Jesus gives us identity in the family of God and removes all these complexes. You know, there are people with inferiority complex because they don't have. There are those with superiority complex because they have. He removes all that and makes us complete in him. And he raises the poor from the damp dunghill. You know, poverty comes because people don't know what they have and they don't know how to use what they have and so they become poor and as you become a Christian, God raises you. If you used to, if you, is there some water please? If you used to spend your money on alcohol, on drugs, on, on other commodities, you now Spend and invest your money productively. Because you used to trample with what you had. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. It gives it, it removes all these complexes that we have, that we carry ourselves with. You know? And makes us complete in him. Complete in one who was complete in himself. Secure in himself. Without fear. Without threat. I'm saying that in Christianity we have a destiny. And we have to know our destiny in Christ. Know what you possess Know your origin and identity and know your destiny. Easter settles within your, you have to settle within yourself that if you are going to obey the command to serve, serving others, whether it be the nation, whether it be as a politician, whether it be as a pastor, whether it be just a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, the command to serve remains and you have to be secure in yourself. Secure within yourself. You have to be secure with what you possess and know what you possess. You have to be, you identify yourself with God, maker of heaven and earth. You have to know your destiny. Only then will you be able to serve others without a complex, with complete confidence, with complete assurance, without intimidation. 
there are others who haven't reached this. They are still living in the flesh of their own hearts, of their own identities, of their own possessions, you know, and, and they can't serve others. I want to invite you to the God Jesus who gives you that completeness. Jesus, who in himself, before he undertook to die for you, before he undertook to give you an example of service, the Bible goes on to declare what disposition he was in. And that's what he passes on to us during this Easter season. Shall we stand and pray? I've gone beyond the normal time that you expected to leave the sanctuary, but I pray that this season, this Passover season, we shall take the command of Jesus seriously and settle it within ourselves before we can settle it in others, before we can serve others, before we can get involved in the service of Christ. Anyone, shall we pray? Loving Father, we thank you that this is a season to remember your son, Jesus, who died for our sins. And this commemoration is a reminder for us that before we can die for anybody's sin or even sacrifice for anybody, we have to be secure in you. We have to be complete in you. I pray, Father, that you will help us to appreciate what you did. I want to ask if there is anybody in this service, anybody here, you haven't come into this relationship. You are still struggling, you know, wanting to make all the money in the world. That will not make you secure. Our security is in Jesus. I want to bring to somebody who is struggling with his background, his identity. You don't have, you're wondering, where did you come from? Where, who is your mother? Who is your father? And today, you can be born anew into a new family of God and give an identity with Christ. Anyone in the, in the balcony up there, salvation is here today. Jesus died for you. The children have said it, have demonstrated it. Anyone in the balcony, today is the day of salvation. And the ground floor, maybe this is your first time, one of those two times that you come to church, Easter Friday, Good Friday, and Christmas service, and you didn't know that Jesus did this for you. Anyone on the ground floor, you don't want to go back home the same way that you came anyone up there shall we pray Lord thank you as we enter these celebrations Lord it's not commercial to commercialize this season but it's to appreciate what you did for each one of us and to appreciate that Lord before you undertook this task you had to be secure in yourself you had to settle with yourself. I pray that you will help us as believers, as Christians, to settle with some of these things that hinder us 
from serving you wholeheartedly. Things that hinder us from serving our brothers and sisters without qualms, without biases. We pray that you'll forgive us and help us to be each other's keeper. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor again. We give you